This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. And joining us today, our friend, website reporter for the Florida Panthers, Jamison Olive. Jamison, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? The setup looks a little different since last time I was here. Jake, you're a much more professional setup there with the big uh, mic screen. It's looking good. <laughs> you know, I've actually had this mic for a couple of years. I think the last time you were on, I probably didn't have the pop filter. You on. didn't have the pop filter. No, <laughs> pop filters. Were, the pop filter was, is what makes things look professional. Yeah, it you, adds we, that, we can adds that thank touch. Roy Bellamy for actually convincing me to use my pop filter. He, <laughs> he kind of shamed me into it when I said I didn't like using it. <laughs> Roy's legacy on the show. I love Name it. drop number one. <laughs> Keep track, everyone. There's going to be a test at the end, and whoever gets closest to the right answer gets a prize. I'm kidding. So, Jameson, we, we wouldn't have you on for no reason, even though we love chatting with you about anything other than Florida Panthers hockey, in addition to Florida Panthers hockey. But this team is on an absolute tear right now. Just uh, their second four-goal comeback to win 7-6 in overtime of the week. Uh, they were the first team in the league to clinch a playoff spot still the the only team in the Eastern Conference to have clinched a playoff spot. Uh, franchise record 104 points with 12 games left to play. Uh, records are being broken left and right. Jonathan Huberto, first Panther, had 100 points in the season. What's the, what's the feeling right now, Jamison? Like, in the room, I mean, it's got to be crazy with this team. Like, the confidence has to be at an all-time high with, with going into the last three, four weeks of the season. Oh, yeah. Confidence is at an all-time high, but it's kind of been peaking since, like, midway through the season. This team has really just had that self-belief. You guys have seen it just in the games and how they play and how they have these comebacks. This team is just so – cocky's not the right word because, like, they're confident, but they also follow through on it. Like, they execute their confidence. So it, they just have so much belief in each other and everyone in that room. And I think you have seen guys – like Hubert on Barkov, who obviously took over the game against the Maple Leafs at the end there and just dominated and just do the did the things that they do. And we've seen them do for so many years. I think the fact that they go into every game knowing they don't have to flip that switch and they don't have to be the best players every single night has just made them into the best players pretty much every single night because they don't have that mental weight maybe they've had in the past. The fact that Mason Marchman can come in and give them a hat trick just randomly. Sam Reinhardt's good for two, <laughs> three points a night. Like there's just so many different heroes on this show, uh, this uh, this team that I think it just really has made everyone that much better. And you got to give you know kudos to Andrew Burnett, just what a job he's done. Obviously, all the kudos in the world to Bill Zito for building this team and pushing yeah. all the right buttons. But just in terms of the vibe, obviously the vibe is such a big thing. Um, I was uh, talking to Joe Thornton about the vibe the other day, and he just really said, you know, it really is just every guy in that room. There's not 
really a click. There's not really, you know, this guy, it means this to the room or this guy means this, this guy is in charge of this. Every guy is just one perfect kind of fluid piece of that locker room. And I think I've never seen it before. I've been around this team about a decade. I've seen some good rooms. I've seen some good clicks within rooms, but I've never seen just like a top to bottom room the way this is built. Even the guys that aren't playing right now, like Lucas Carlson, Pateria Limbaum, those guys are having a blast. I see those guys walking around the event level. They're, they're fired up. They're this team's biggest cheerleaders when they're not in these games. No, even, even going back to Frank Petrano when he was here, you know, it was obviously tough for him to be scratched, but he never minded when he was scratched because guys just want to be a part of this thing, even if they're not in the lineup. Everyone just wants to be around this vibe in this team. And obviously it's working right now, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as time goes on, just what kind of draw this becomes for free agents. We've already seen it with guys like Claude Drew wanted to come here and Joe Thornton wanted to come here, but words getting around the NHL that, you know, it's not just the weather anymore. It's not just, you know, the taxes. This is just a really fun place to be and a fun place to spend your career. So I'm curious if you had to guess, because I don't know how much guys will admit it to you, how much of it is down to, you know, we're playing our best hockey right now. The playoffs are, you know, an arm's reach away. And how much of it is this a little bit of standings watching and noticing that the Lightning haven't been playing their best hockey, the Hurricanes haven't been playing their best hockey, the Leafs are, you know, they were a little bit behind, so there's still a nice cushion there. The Bruins were so far behind that even though they've been hot recently, they were really not in the Panthers' ballpark. Do you, do you think that that's adding to the, the sense of delight that, like, they're pretty well clear uh, for the top of the Eastern conference right now, or do you think that they generally aren't looking at the standings? They're just like, we want to go into the playoffs playing our best hockey. I've been trying to keep tabs on this over the years. Cause I'm always baffled how little standings watching players do and how little kind of just like around the league, looking over their shoulder, they do. And I got to tell you guys really don't do that. I mean, maybe there's a guy or two here and there, but the vast majority really probably couldn't tell you what the Panthers record is right now, how many points they have, what their, their cushion is over the Leafs. They just know they've won a lot of games. They know they have a lot of points and they know that they're leading the Leafs by a good amount. Yes, they want the banner at this point. I think a lot of guys are trying to flip that switch, not just for the banner, but I mean, Huberto's talked about it a lot. They want home ice advantage. They, yeah. they know how important FLA Live Arena is to this team. We saw it against the Leafs, obviously the fans kind of willing the team to victory there, but guys really don't research and spend as much time, definitely not nearly as much time as we spend you know, reading articles and looking at the standings and looking at stats. I, I don't think a single guy on the team goes to naturalstattrick.com. The guys just, <laughs> they show up to work, they play their game, they get the results, and they know if they get the results, everything else is probably going to work out. The moment they leave the rink, they're usually, you know, they flip off the hockey switch, except maybe Barkov. That switch probably stays on for Barkov. But most guys just go do something else. And when they show back up at the rink, they know they're in a good spot. It's, it's really fascinating. I, I, there are, I've been around other teams and sports. I remember when I covered the Dolphins, players were so hyper aware of, you know, what was going on in the league, what was going on with their own personal stuff. Whereas in hockey guys really tune everything out except for hockey. And then, you know, when they're out of the rink, they're out of the rink. So the main thing that I'm taking away from what you're saying right now is Sasha Barkov's web browser homepage is naturalstatric.com. It might be. It's definitely <laughs> YouTubing. It's YouTubing <laughs> hockey tricks. It's YouTubing other hockey players. And it's probably 80% tennis as well. A lot of tennis. And maybe maybe the occasional like Call of Duty Twitch stream or something. Yeah, I don't. Know. Last I checked, he's actually when it comes to gaming, he's been doing some like F one sim, like he's been doing some F one racing, Ooh, gaming. But like, doesn't really play NHL as far as I know. Doesn't really play Call of Duty right now. I think it's mostly just hockey, tennis, and maybe the occasional hopping in the F one chair and playing some F one. Barky's he's he's narrowed in right now mainly on hockey. You know what? That's that's a good place for him to be. Yeah. 
Well, I'm saying every guy's narrowed in, but like Barky's narrowed in more than anyone in the world. Like it's it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for Sasha. I was gonna say Barky's for sure got one of those full F1 setups where the chair moves and three screens all around him, so it feels like you're actually in the driver's seat. I don't. I gotta see a photo of the actual setup. I just know he's into it, and I don't know how into it he is because I feel like sometimes when we like, Barky openly likes so few little things in public that when we find out something he does like, I think we build it up on our heads like it's this great passion. So I really don't know how deep it is, <laughs> but I just know that it's there, and I would love to actually see a photo someday because you think he's got the cash. If he actually likes it, he'd get the whole nice setup with the multi monitors, all that stuff. But we'll see. I, I know he's buddies with one of the uh, the F1 drivers. I think I think Valtteri Bottas, you know, finished Countryman. So maybe they have a hookup there. I don't know. We'll see. But it is funny. Like throwing it to you guys, what do you know? Barky loves for me. It literally is like tennis and hockey, mm-hmm. and like that's the two real tennis, things I'm hockey, really confident. His mom and Anton Lindell. Like, yeah, like I- I'm confident in those <laughs> things. Outside of that, I know he has some like some hobbies and things, but like, those are the two things I'm actually confident in. And I can tell you, he loves, it's just, and that's what I said. When we, when we get a breadcrumb of something he's interested in, we just freak out and we're like, Barky likes this. This is huge. And wasn't there a whole thing with, there was an inside the Panthers off season edition uh, about Barkov and like, wasn't there a whole thing with chicken wings or my, yeah. So he loves chicken wings. And that's the funny thing. And I remember when we went to Finland, they did this whole big chicken wing segment with like him and Patrick line and Barky's kind of sitting there. He's like, yeah, I like chicken wings, but this is like a this is insane, you know. This is like this isn't my identity, guys. Like, what are you doing? But yeah, that I, I, we we bug Barky. I think that's probably Barky probably top stopped telling us things he likes because the moment we do, we bug him about it. It's kind of like the <laughs> NHL and gritty. The moment the NHL found gritty was popular, they just you know shove it down your throat. We kind of do that with Barky. We just get too excited. He's just he's well, he's, like, such he's, a, a he's such a fascinating out. person. He is just because he's so. Quietly, I did a, I did a, I did a story with Barky for Venice Magazine uh, a uh-huh. couple months ago, and it was just like fascinating. Like the most fascinating stuff about Barky isn't the hockey stuff. Like the hockey stuff is so surface level. You see it, okay, that guy's a superstar. I get it. I see the work he puts in. I get that. It's like the little, just like who he is things, because he really is just such a unique star in the sense that he doesn't, definitely doesn't chase the spotlight. Like definitely doesn't care about the fame and the riches and all that. He just wants to be a good hockey player. And he wants to like enjoy the things he enjoys. Like he wants to go to the Miami open. He wants like Barky is more excited to meet like the world's 50th ranked tennis player than he would be. I think to meet like Wayne Gretzky, like these interesting, like little interesting things about him that I am just forever going to be trying to piece together. And I remember when I was uh, talking to him on the phone for the interview, he was uh, heading down to Miami and he was just, you know, gutting through traffic. And it was just interesting to hear him like, comment on traffic as he's driving through traffic and he's like he i remember like uh, there was a pause for a second when we were talking and i was did i lose him and then you just hear just like slamming on his horn and there's another pause and then he just goes sorry this guy's asleep and i'm just like barky's already got like the south florida road rage about him too he's got the sass and that's actually what like the article ended up kind of turning into because then we kind of got into like when he first came here at, you know, 18, Ole Okunin, like, gave him a car to use. And he's like, I didn't drive anywhere. Like, I was terrified. And now here he is years later, like, cruising down 95, like, you know, telling people off. And that, that to me, just sums up Barky. I, I, the fact that you can't sum up Barky kind of sums up Barky. Like, it's, 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 it's an onion we're going to be peeling back for, I feel like, our entire lives. Yeah, and it's, it's been so fun to watch him on the ice, too. I mean, I, I, one of the big things when, we, when the Panthers traded for Claude Giroux was – okay, where do you put them? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a displacement here. Naturally, when a team trades for a star like that, that you know is like he has to play top six minutes, 
there's almost always this thing that's like he has to displace someone if a team is really buying at the deadline then you can't add like this superstar without displacing someone but barkov's right wing has been a revolving door all see the the only forward that he has more time with than without is Carter Verhage. So adding Giroux has been such a such a great revelation for him, uh, though he's been playing more with Duclair lately, I think. And then that second line of Huberto Bennett Giroux has been terrifying. <laughs> I, well, yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you think of Barky's career. I mean, the, when I think of Barky like line mates, and I think of Barky lines, you think of you know Bergenheim and boys, the Killer B days, oh and then goodness. you think of the Hubi, then you think of the Hubi Yager days. And I guess now you kind of think of the Verhage Duke days, but like other than that, it's kind of been like you said, revolving doors on most wings except for Carter Verhage, who's just been attached to his left side ever since he got here. So the fact that Barky's also doing all this without real consistency among line mates is even just more incredible. You're forgetting the Seth Seth Griffith days. How many games was that? Like 24 Ooh, games? That's right. Seth they get, Griffin. That was, I don't they think he was even that many. I think it was probably like 15. He'd a, yeah, he had a pretty – that's 15 games, though, with Barky. It's pretty big. That's a pretty big test right there. I can – I can about up. that. The Griffith was the 16-17 season, right? Yeah, that was the year yep. after March so. No, it was – I think before. it was the same year. Before. Yeah, before the same year. I don't know. That feels like a lifetime ago now. Right? It does feel like a lifetime ago. <laughs> Remember when those, remember when those were our biggest, like, talking points? Like, will Seth Griffith work on this top line with Barky? And now here we are, like, oh, I don't know. Should Drew be on the second line, the third line? I don't know. Like, you're Okay, just, so Barkov's most first world common now. forward line mates in the 16-17 season. I was going to say, no, it gets so much worse. I mean, remember when Richard Sednick was the free agent signing of the offseason? And no. we were holding press conferences for Brett McLean? And that's no. why, I mean, you guys know me as the eternal voice of optimism. But like I said, my optimism, I always describe my optimism as I'll never tell you something bad is good, but I'll always tell you why something bad could be better. Yeah. Like I'll always, I'll always give you the road to, hey, this could work out. And I, I do find it funny, like I've seen like, the, I feel like tw- Twitter has been more heated after losses this season than in like any other season. Okay. And this, of course, has been the best season of all time. Like this, the standard we hold things to now is incredible. And it's a good thing. It's, it's part of being a good team. Can, can but I, it's just so funny seeing the dip, like the change over the years. That's can I jump like in that. and do another throwback? Not, ne- not as far back as Alex was saying, but do you remember when every single loss, there was a referendum on Andrew Brunette? Yeah. Because that, that was like a that was like a solid month that people were like, the team is 16-5-0 or whatever it was. It's like, I don't know about this coach, man. <laughs> Those days are long gone. I, and, I I like you knew it was gonna be awful after after Q was was removed. You knew that whatever that by first himself, loss let's, was let's put was it just out, gonna yeah. be a disaster. Yeah, I mean that's obvious and that it, it's a tough spot to be in. I think that's once again why you gotta give so much love for Bruno is the fact that he's just done such a good job not only like obviously keeping the team on the right track, but I think also elevating the team. I think he's mm-hmm. putting guys in position to succeed. I think he's obviously a player's coach, you know, pl- guys love playing for him. Um, and I think, yeah, I right up there with Jack Adams. Uh, like you got to put him up there. Like, cause I've heard people, some people say he wasn't coached the full season. Well, what was it? Seven, eight games into the season, seven. Like he's, he's he been the coach 10. the full season. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a full season. Like he, right. he didn't just pop in mid. Didn't Mike so. Sullivan win the Jack Adams when he coached when he was installed in like December after was it December? when he won the cup? I, I could remember. be wrong. Maybe Mike Sullivan might well not into win the, the Jack season. Adams, but 
but I'm, I'm on the award train for every Panther. Just as some conclusion here, Seth Griffith was Barkov's fourth most common line mate in the 16-17 season. Wow. Yager, then Huberto, then Marcia so, then Griffith. Fun fact, the most recent Penguins coach to win the Jack Adams was Dan Bilesma. Oh, Disco Dan won it. Wow. Oh, Mike Sullivan current, never won a Jack Adams? No, current uh, assistant coach in Charlotte, by the way. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that's another episode. Charlotte's headed to the playoffs here at some point, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Ooh, that was an episode. You get TJ Shalon did, on for that. I did. Oh, yeah, uh, you, get, you got him on for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love TJ. I mean, for obvious reasons. <laughs> just to talk about just to talk about Cole Schwint. We know. We know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who? And also... <laughs> Also, TJ stuff. You know, speaking of the job that Andrew Brunette's done this year, I think that it really speaks volumes that the Panthers have now set an NHL record with, the, I believe, their fifth three-plus goal comeback in a single season, which they've done with 12 games remaining. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to this team that they are just never out of a game? I, I just, it, Like I said, it's the self-confidence, it's the belief, and I think now it's just grown beyond that. It's grown beyond the room. Like, now the fans know it. And when everyone has the belief, like when, like I said, when the Panthers were down 5-1 and Sam Reinhardt made a 5-2, like the building erupted. It wasn't like, yep. oh, a little like soft golf clap, like, oh, neat, we got one. Like, the building immediately was like, all right, here we come. And then the players feel like, here we come. And then, of course, when Gudis makes it 5-3, it's a whole new ball game, And just, that's kind of when you felt, you know, the momentum Freaking swing. And Gudis goal, man. That Gudis goal was wonderful. But... That's the thing. The, the, the comeback hats, it's a real thing. It's not they did it once. It's, it really is part of the team's identity. Um, luckily, they don't have to do it too often, dig themselves out of those holes. But I think it just says a lot about the team, a lot about the environment and the culture. When it comes to Bruno, I think one thing I'll say is uh, in the past, you know, and not even just in the past, around the league, sometimes when things aren't going right, coaches really do kind of do like the hard bench of a guy or like, I'm going to make this guy, you know, I'm going to make my mark by benching this guy because he had a bad first period. Bruno really does. He does, you know, you know, reduce minutes. He does shorten the bench, of course, like any coach does, but he never really has that make example guy. He just really moves things around to just see what works. And he really does let guys fight through things when they are, you know, slumping or having a bad couple of shifts. And I think once again, players coach, it ties right back into that. And I think that's why guys know, if, hey, I had a terrible first period, but Bruno's going to let me fight through it and try to have a great second period. And so far this season, most guys have done that. They have responded with, uh, you know, that confidence behind them. You know, our yeah. first season I- was uh, when Tom Rowe was the interim coach. So hearing that breath of fresh air. Well, probably it also helps oh that, like, things are going so well. You, you can give guys longer leashes, too, and, like, things are wonderful like they are now. But I, th- I think Bruno's pushed all the right buttons, obviously, and the records there and the points record and all the career milestones and – <laughs> yep. I just, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm tired from just writing out how many franchise records guys and the Panthers are having this season. And there still might be more to come. Jamie. There's still more to come. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. We got Lundell chasing 20 goals. We got, uh, let's see, we, Weger, Weger's on pace for a career high in points, right? He already has it. One, oh, more, goal has got, one more goal for career high goals for Weegs. And then Lundy, I think he's, he's the fourth Panthers rookie to have 40 points. Sadly, by missing those games, I don't know if he's going to hit 50, which I think is the record right now, but he could. I mean, he could. 10 points in 12 games for Lundy is like not yeah. crazy. That also more, kills him more in the sadly, Calder race. I think by missing those games, he also was removed from the Calder conversation. Yes. But yeah. I will say, even though he's not going to be in the Calder conference because he missed those games, I think Lundy is the, regardless of games played, is the second most impactful rookie this year. Just in terms of impact, obviously, oh, sure. it's, it's still going to be Cider number one, just because he's a top parent defenseman on a team and eating up minutes and playing all situations. But Lundy, even as a third line center PK guy, like 
second most impactful, second most meaningful to his team success. Right, but like you also, when you, you say, yeah, he's a third line center, but like, what does that mean for the Panthers? Like third, our third line is Sam Reinhardt and Isaiah, there, Mason there's Marchand. probably about like 65, 70 deadly. goals on that third line. Yeah. <laughs> that that I mean, third line, right. Sam Reinhardt's a point of game player on that third line. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is the third line that had the most five on five time on ice on Tuesday. And they had what, like a 80% expected goals or something like that. You know, Speaking of the third line, my, my, my most favorite game to play is after any, every single game, just go to natural stat trick and look at Mason Marchman's numbers. And you'll be like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's always something ridiculous. Like eight out of 10 times. He's like in the top two or three in terms of uh Corsi four. And it's just always like a ridiculous number. And you're like, cause you watch Mason Marchman's game and it like, it's just crazy that like you watch him do that. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, he looked good, but Holy hell, like this, th- these numbers, this guy was just dominating out there. Mason Marchment, by the way, currently by uh, by evolving hockey's equation or model, uh, ranks 15th in the NHL in goals above replacement. Not bad. No, not bad at all. He's he's sandwiched in between Elias Lindholm and Kirill Kaprizov. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> Mason Ahead Mar- of such Mar- names uh, as uh, Patrice Bergeron, Devin Taves, Sam Reinhardt, and Timo Meyer. Oh, Marchment. I I really hope the Panthers find a way to keep him this offseason. <laughs> I'm, I'm three times three. Let's go. Everyone gets three times three. Yeah. Look, I, I guess, yeah, Verhage and Duclair, like, can Marchment really demand more than what they got? That's can, a, that's a good point, three. Jameson. That's, that's, that's how the Panthers, they're going to three times three their way to like four straight Stanley Cups. Mr. Giroux, our offer is three times three. Accept <laughs> or decline. <laughs> Let's give the same contract to every guy. Just, leave, just fill in the name. Done. Right. <laughs> it's a real, you, you know, give Giroux a no move clause just for good measure. Yeah, why not? absolutely <laughs> he's earned it oh yeah the uh, the other like major thing the one kind of i don't even know if you consider this a, a pock mark uh more so than something to look forward to come may may 1st or whatever may 2nd uh is is aaron ekblad we expect him to be back for the first round unless unless you know otherwise jameson and can break that on the show um, <laughs> he's, he's out of the full body cast he was in the full body cast immobile <laughs> for a couple weeks does he still have the out. neck brace Yes, he he was suspended from the ceiling. They had to, of course. No, no, he's yeah. Don't worry, don't worry about that. He go he gonna be fine. Yeah, we we have Patrick Starr sticking the hockey stick through the full body yeah, cast. Exactly. Firmly grasp it. That's a good. You know, <laughs> once good. it gets out of the full body cast, though, Lightning fans are going to be talking about cap circumvention. So maybe we should just keep him in there. No, <laughs> I, I, um, I completely different circumstances. But I'm glad yeah, I'm glad the Lightning fans finally have something to to fight back with. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they, they've uh, had it really hard. I, look, I, I'm going to personally plant my flag on this. You guys don't have to. Uh, I think the Lightning are going to lose in the first round, and I'm going to bet on it. Not to say, like, I guarantee first round and out for the Lightning, but I'm going to bet on whoever they play. I would, I, I would take Boston over them. I'm not sure I'd take Toronto over them. Okay, well, let, let me see the odds. If it's like Toronto minus 200 in the seven-game series, I'm not going to take it. But which like, that would be – me going back on what I'm saying. So maybe I'm just a coward, but I have a feeling that the odds are going to be favorable. So I don't know. I'm not looking ahead to playoffs yet. I'm trying to, trying to savor it a little bit. Although, you know like what, you said, you, although, like you said, the East is pretty much set at this point. Right. For the most part. I mean, the Panthers have an eight point lead on the division. I believe uh, also an eight point lead, a uh, six point lead in the conference with 12 games left. I mean, like that might seem like a small number, six points for 12 when there are 24 points left on the table for both Florida and Carolina to only have a six point lead for the conference. 
uh, does seem like a pretty small number, but when you really consider what those, what the points percentages look like uh, and what the schedules remaining look like, I mean, the Panthers would have to suffer a pretty significant collapse at this point to not win the conference. The president's trophy is another story, but the, the, I'm not going to like give the Panthers the friggin' Eastern conference champ, whatever the banner right now, but I mean, they're in a very good position uh, to take on Washington in the first round. Let's not do a banner though, because then all of a sudden people are going to do memes like it, like they do to Nashville for the Western conference, regular season banner, which is still hilarious. The memes, not the banner. Well, the banner is funny too. Yeah, what? Uh, like, and I, I hope we don't come out to regret, come to like to regret this. But I feel like everyone does want, in terms of like fandom, everyone is you know hoping for Panthers Caps round one, just because it seems like the easiest out. But who the heck knows? It's the it, yeah. It's I mean, hockey. right? There's no easy playoff series. I mean, yeah. Like, just look at Tampa and Columbus from a couple of years ago. I sh- I'm sure that Tampa was going to say, yes, we want Columbus round one. That's got to be the easier yeah. matchup. And, then and that's why in hockey you can't shut the door on you can't shoot for anyone. Games. You just you you take what you're given and play your game. Right. But I, if, the, if both teams are playing their game, I like the Panthers obviously with their five on five play a lot more than the Caps. But we'll save that for the playoff preview episode. Right. We get I there. would much rather have Washington than any of Toronto, Boston, or Tampa. Real quick, one. real quick, Alex. You you mentioned the Tampa Bay Columbus series, but then there was that year that the Panthers beat the Bruins in game 82, the last day of the season. And then all of a sudden they have to play the Leafs instead of playing the devils, which the Tampa Bay beat the devils in five. Uh, Boston had to go all the way to game seven against the Leafs. And then Tampa Bay just, you know, rinsed them in five games after a regular season where they were neck and neck the whole time. So playing that weaker opponent in round one can be a beneficial thing for sure. Yeah, of course. And I think the Panthers also would, once again, we're, we're looking far ahead if they can get through that first round, knock on wood, I think they kind of need to do that to really kind of then flip that ultra switch into like, we did it. We won around like now it's just, you know, full, full speed ahead. Right. Cause that like, first, that first mountain is so high. I mean, it's, it's, it's been there since 96. Like if you get over that first mountain, I feel like the, the, the peaks ahead are, are not going to look as daunting. Right. Like Toronto, like Toronto's demon is Boston. Washington's demon was Pittsburgh. The Panthers demon right now is just getting out of round one. Yeah. It's not a team. It's just the round. Right. It's just <laughs> so you get beyond that, you, you get over that dragon. And I mean, all of a sudden I, you, you feel unstoppable at that point. Yeah. Let's not forget the Panthers are undefeated in rounds two and three of the playoffs in franchise history. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, TJ. That's an excellent point. <laughs> I also love it. Cause you gotta think, especially if they make a good deep run. Once again, knock on wood. I feel like, like, there's going to be so many franchise playoff stat records too broken just because no one's really been padding those stats yeah, out for the of, last out of necessity 20 years. Almost, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> By default, we'll get a bunch of, a bunch of postseason records. <laughs> I do just want to jump back to Ekblad just a little bit because I did a little deep dive on some statistics. I Granted, it's only been eight or so games without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like so much more for some reason. But I mean, he went out on March 20th. I mean, it was it was only a few weeks ago. But since Ekblad's injury, uh, I, I just did a, a little bit of a ranking in the league of where the Panthers were before uh, Ekblad's mm. injury and after. Uh, and there are a couple of kind of alarming drops. Corsi against per 60 minutes, the Panthers were first in the league, uh, as in they were the best at shot suppression mm. uh, before Ekblad went out. Now they are sixth. Uh, granted, that's not like 
a kill. You're you're not going to get killed if you're sixth in the league. If you have the sixth best Corsi against for mm-hmm. sixth in the league, uh, especially when your Corsi four percentage only dropped from one to two. But unblocked shot attempts, Panthers went from being the third best team to the tenth. Goals against went from thirteenth to nineteenth. Expected goals against uh, had the same fate. Uh, the one very interesting thing is high danger Corsi against per sixty minutes actually improved from yeah because that's a, such a small third ranked stat. to the 17th ranked it's interesting i mean that's also not a big enough jump in like yeah. right. say, with the sample size but still uh, interesting so there are there there is like a little bit of concern there uh just about how i mean it's no secret I, reliant might not be the right word uh unless you want to use it for every team's best defenseman and like any team losing their best defenseman would would cause some sort of gap well, yeah, I mean, you're basically saying team worse after losing number one defenseman, which is, you know, of course, that that's a right. given. And mm-hmm. it's also not just that. It's you have to look at the state of the defense, too, after he goes out. Not only is he gone, but you're bringing in two new defensemen. For, you, you got Hague and Sherratt trying to just learn the system and get used to what the Panthers are doing, you know, 60-plus games into the season. And because of that, you got three new defensive pairs this far into the season. Luckily, now we're back to, to Uyghur-Forsling, so there's already some pre-made chemistry there, so that's been right. doing better. But... And the weird thing is, is like this time is really more about just finding who you want Trout to play with. Even th- there could be a problem or if you want to play with Ekblad, you're not going to get a look at that, of course, right now. But you're just trying to get the new guys comfy, really, because anything you're doing right now is going to get messed up the moment Ekblad comes back in, which they want to do. They want to mess it up. But it really is kind of just a placeholder, get guys comfy, learn the system time. Um, and it's a weird time to do it, to, tra- to have this kind of transition on defense at this point in the season. But it's what they got to do until Ekblad's back. But in terms of defense for concerns, I, yes, the defense is obviously always going to be worse without Ekblad, but luckily it looks like Ek is not in danger of missing the big games. It looks like. Yeah. And to yeah, some I mean, extent, there is put- kind of a, there is something nice about like some of the drops aren't quite as big as I would have thought, which is just nice. I mean, this is not a shot at Ben Sherratt, but we replaced, you know, Aaron Ekblad and Norris caliber defense with Ben Sherratt, who's, a number three, number four, depending on your point of view of him, that's, you're going to get a drop off. Like that. It's just natural. Like it is what it is, you know, hopefully, you know, when Ekblad gets back, thanks Tommy for that. And Tommy agrees. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully when Ekblad gets back, he's, you know, well enough on, you know, his, his legs are well enough under him that you can kind of get back to what you were playing prior to the deadline, AKA prior to Ekblad getting hurt. But there was always going to be a drop-off. Like like you said, Jameson, you lose your number one defenseman, your defense gets worse. Shocking, like groundbreaking stuff. That's a good point. <laughs> so basically, Jacob, your work is useless. I, I love it. No, the work isn't <laughs> useless. It's good because it, it, it says like, hey, look, the Panthers do have things they got to clean up. The question becomes, well, are they cleaned up because Ekblad comes back? Or has they actually regressed defensively? That's the question that's got to get answered. I personally think some, I mean, look, you know, Uyghur's play has been a little bit inconsistent lately. Ben Sherratt's been good offensively, all right defensively. And I think that's being a bit generous. generous. Um, So I think Ekblad coming back will clean up some of those issues, but will it clean up all of them? I don't know. And the reality is, I don't know if it really matters that much because if the offense can at least come somewhere close to the pace they have in the regular season, a slight drop off defensively won't matter much. 
Well, I have a good question for you guys too, is it's obviously the Panthers system isn't conducive to being a top ranked defense. It's not what they're about. Like uh, with, with the kind of running gun, they play a little bit, obviously a you know, high possession game, but they do give up those chances, yep. you know, to create that offense they create. So they can have success there. They can win the Stanley cup, obviously with that system. But in my mind, or should I say my question for you guys is if you have the top ranked offense in the league, what is the acceptable ranking for that defense in your guys' mind? And being top 10 in most of the predictive metrics, yeah, that's good enough to for have me. a defense in <laughs> mo- ten, around 10, nine, 10 among most metrics while you're number one in pretty much all the offensive metrics. I feel like that's the sweet spot. I feel like that is this system executed perfectly. Yeah. And um, that's what I've been saying all week or the last few weeks is that everyone's like, oh, can the Panthers win 2 1? And it's like, who cares? They're scoring. <laughs> that's not their five, identity six, winning 2 1. That's not what they do. And also, I said, <laughs> Teams have to suppress their own offensive capabilities so much in order to keep the Panthers to two that, like, are they scoring three? I don't know. Doesn't seem likely. That is also where yeah, the middle possession of the pack ratios come enough. into play. Like, the Panthers are yes. were one in Corsi 4 percentage, are two without Ekblad, will go back to one. Uh, Fenwick 4 percentage, they were one with Ekblad, four without him. Expected goals percentage actually did increase somehow. Uh, their ranking. They were third in the league before Ekblad's injury. Well, uh, second. Let's, let's look him. at the fact that, that has a played... lot more to do with the league around them than the Panthers. Also, themselves. the teams that they played. Also, the teams that they played. And also, like I'll say, there's like co- reasons for confidence. Obviously, not that we need too many more the no. first place, but reasons for confidence heading into the playoffs is, I mean, look at the season. How many outside of the COVID weird kind of two weeks that was? Have the Panthers really had a slump this year, like a legitimate slump. There was there was two I would say the one of them was COVID with the king when they lost yeah one of the yeah kings so I'm not throwing that one out yeah you can like but it was a slump like to to answer the question and then there was that weird three game stretch where they lost to the Oilers uh, Blue Jackets and the um, the Predators okay but regardless so look at that the whole season maybe one three game slump there for the most part. The playoffs are all about consistency. It's about winning a seven-game series, and that's more cause for belief that this team is going to be the better team over the course of seven games. Right. That, that, that's that's another you know just thing that gets me fired up heading into the playoffs. What, what I'll say is the consistency issue. I think is not related to the defense. It's it's yeah. the goaltending that I'm I'm yes. worried about being consistent. You know the funny thing is about about goaltending in the playoffs is no matter how good a team is, no matter what a team's strong suit is, you'll always say like. Man, the Panthers can go far. Like if Bob plays like Bob, but you said about every single team, it's you like can. it's like man, the Rangers can make a deep run if Shesterkin just you know stands tall back there. So it really goaltending in hockey and especially the playoffs is everything. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Every guy will say when they're describing a team like you know if Vasilevsky plays like Vesna Vasilevsky, the Lightning are right back in this thing going for number three. And no one ever says like man, like if Hedman just has a good series, the Lightning are going to win because it never is. Like Hedman can't do that. He can't do it himself. <laughs> Whereas every goaltender, you can say, you know, Freddie Anderson, man, he could he could carry the Canes to a deep run here. And well, I, that's that's I, I'm always the fascinated onus by on that. the goalie when he's the only player on the ice who plays 60 minutes. Exactly. Night. It just it really is just funny about hockey. Is like, yeah, it really is. It really if any goaltender can carry their team on a deep run. And I feel like so, I also just need to point out one other very interesting statistic that also plays into some of these other stats. Since Ekblad's injury, something that has very little to do with Ekblad here, but the Panthers' PDO rank has dropped from 9 to 24. Mostly, interestingly enough, mostly predicated on our, sh- on our well, actually not interesting, predicated mostly on the save percentage. 
our goaltending has been worse without Ekblad. And like, that's, that's almost like a chicken and the egg situation. But um, how much of that is weighed when you weigh in like two really bad games? Like, if it's right. Only, and that's, that's, that's also where the fact it it's only been eight or nine games without Ekblad also factors in. Hmm. But that PDO drop, the fact that the Panthers have had that PDO drop mm-hmm. and like even, even being 24th in PDO, uh, since Ekblad's injury, I just want to take a look and remind myself of what the Panthers' record is since the Ekblad injury because it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and one. What while being the twenty fourth ranked PDO team in in the league? <laughs> it's like <laughs> we're, and that's what this whole season's become, especially at this point of the season. We are everything we talk about is picking nits at this point, but we got to right. pick them just because right. there really isn't enough to really say like, I'm super concerned about this. I'm a little bit concerned about everything. It's hockey. It's like, if this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen, or if this doesn't get better, if that, you know, cools off, that's kind of where we're at now with the Panthers. They're doing so well. You just hope they keep doing it. And you just, that's really all you say. Yeah. Unfortunately, hockey discourse is so banal at this point. Like, like in every market, you're going to have those conversations. Like I bet you that like 15 of the 16 playoff markets are like, you know, blank team can go far, but what about the goaltending, you know, and like maybe there's a fourth line, you know, third pairing defenseman sort of thing, but it's just, we hear it every single year. It's always the same. What is the last legitimate argument? Cause I feel like for 90% of the playoffs is locked up for the most part. I feel like pretty much all the awards are locked up except MVP. Like I, I think I got the Norris locked up. I think Vesna's locked up. MVP is the only one that I think where there's still a decent argument right now. I, I would argue that there shouldn't be that decent of an argument. I think the, the heart really should just go to Igor, but I, yeah, there, there, there is a debate to be had, but. With Igor's it, it recent bad Igor stretch though, maybe there is more of a debate, but yes. Yeah. He, he kind of left the door open there. I sure. don't know if this is a heart trophy podcast, so. Not yet. Not um, yet. So Jameson, before we let you go, I have one very important question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a little bit of discourse uh, on Panthers Twitter today uh, because the fans, are, the confidence of the fans is also at a near all-time high. Uh, and the discourse that has resulted in that is when Gary Bettman, when Gary Bettman passes the Stanley Cup to Alexander Barkov, mm-hmm. who does Alexander Barkov give the cup to next? Hmm. I think he just takes it himself and leaves because he knows he <laughs> did it all himself. I'm surprised that Ovi didn't do that. The ultimate, the ultimate heel turn. He just <laughs> leaves. No, I don't know. It's I, I think it's got to be Hubi. I mean, like obviously, you look at guys that are going to be. It, one, I, it it pains me to talk about this. I don't want to get my hopes up, but like I know. you think about the guys around. You think about Giroux. You think about Jumbo. You think about all the guys that every fan wants that next guy to be. But this is this is Barky and Hubi's team. I mean, Eck of course is there too, but these guys have you know they. I, I, I got to say, Eck, too. I, I think you'd have to go, like, Barky, Hubie, Eck. I think those three are the three pillars. Really? The guys that have been here the longest, the guys that have really seen this thing rise from the ashes, that have really – so like no one's put in more blood, sweat, and tears throughout a career than Jumbo, but in terms of blood, sweat, and tears here, it's that. But the thing is, this team is so friggin' selfless and loves each other so much that – I think it's going to be like a freaking battle. No one's going to want to like hold it next. Cause everyone's going to be like, Oh no, you go. Oh no, you go. It's you, man. It's you. Like there's going to be such an awkward, I feel like pause because everyone's going to want the other guy to get it. I think like out of respect, I feel like it's gotta be jumbo. Like you go Barkov to jumbo, then to Huberto and Ekblad and then Giroux. And then I think, I think Drew they'd have to yell. I think, they, I think they'd have to yell at jumbo to do it. 
but enough guys would be yelling it for Jumbo to be the next guy that I think he'd have to do it. I, like it's got, there's pretty much no debate. It's either Hubert or, or Thor. But one thing I'll say is like, obviously we're so hyped for this playoff run and what could be, what yeah. it's hockey, anything can happen. That's the scariest right. part and the most exciting part. But regardless of what happens this season, and I'm not giving up on this season yet. Obviously I think we're the, we should be the favorites to win the cup this year. I'm all in, but take a step back and also enjoy the fact that this is not a flash in the pan. Look at the contracts, look at who's here. Look at the big guy who's in charge, Bill Zito. Like this is a team whose window is at least open for the next with this group, you know, three, four years. Like, thanks, Bill. Like this is a team that's going to be one of the best teams in hockey for X amount of years. Like it's built for that. This just happens to be a very, very, very good year with a very good chance. Yeah. And we're looking forward to not only this year's playoffs, but years to come. Having said that though, everybody's, everybody's looking forward to this year's playoffs, especially. Considering but my question is like when and when because I like the Sabers, I like what the Sabers are doing right now. I like what the Red Wings are doing in their rebuild. Like when are these new? Re- I like the Senators have a lot of young pieces. I like like who is going to get out of the way in th- two, three, four years for those teams to come up? Boston. Well, you I, I think no, you Boston. Might, my, my hot take is Boston. We've been no, but we've been saying Boston for. But I think he might retire. Years. Like he's sent a lot of like smoke signals that this is going to be his last year. Maybe depends what they do. I guess in the playoffs. Yeah, you're not going to have Bergeron and Marchand there forever. True. I, I we'll think see. It's we'll see. But I, I've I've made the argument that Boston is a, is a really scary team this year. And eventually, oh, Crosby's yeah. going to retire, and pet the Penguins should maybe sink in the Metro. I mean, they they they're they're about to get into some serious cap hell. <laughs> I think they're. I think they're the Penguins are about to get into their uh, post, not necessarily post Ken Holland, but like the the lean years of the Ken Holland era era yeah stevie stevie y and detroit are only going to miss the playoffs so many years it's stevie right he's building something good there yeah yeah. right and i like the trade they made for verona and getting all those picks as well but uh i was going to wrap us up by saying everybody's looking forward to the playoffs we all just want to fast forward to the playoffs and we're going to have a lot of great content in the playoffs i'm sure we're going to get you back jameson your game to come back of course in between rounds round by round breakdown let's see let's do it Great. So now we've got you on record. Have you guys ever done a multi guest? You, you get two guests on at once. We did. For, uh, did you not listen show. to our drunk podcast? I missed that. Who was on he that one? Have to. Oh, George and David. Oh, that was a really fun one. Agreed to fight <laughs> each got, other. I got, Dave, I got David Wilson on from the Herald on our pod today. You should get him on. David Wilson. We should. We should. I like give David. Me, uh, give him a shout. I'm gonna DM him after we're done. Hashtag DM David. We, we got some, we got some other guests coming up, though, that should be very interesting as well. Just uh, stay tuned for that. Also, check our Twitter feed. We're give, giving away a pair of tickets to the game against the Jets on the 15th. Just checking real quick what date Sweet that is. foreshadowing, TJ. And we'll see you there. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. 
the best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 